0: on and welcome to navi tales hello everybody i'm josh i'm nick and today we're getting spooky actually we're getting spooky this whole month yeah welcome to spooky month welcome to the spook Spooktacular spook month we are going to be talking about until dawn this week uh, the rest of the month will be spooky games spooky things ending with something that we're kind of going to be working on all month because it's fucking extensive yeah um bit. but very us so uh you got something to look forward to towards the end of the month uh but this week we are going to be talking about until dawn um play it to-
1: um no but uh so when this game came out i was really interested in it so i watched a let's play of it and then a bunch of my friends wanted to play it too so we all like somebody bought it and we all got together and like played it over like a couple of nights um and and like i i didn't play it because i knew like everything because i already seen a let's play but uh i wanted to see like other how other people went through it, how my friends went through it um and I, all i remember from from that uh that playthrough was them telling me not to to tell them answers because i knew everything and then them getting to a part where they were like so they, they but they would still like ask me like nick what should we do and i'm just like i don't know and they're, like, <laughs> they're like should we do this and i was just like man maybe i don't know and then they get to a part where they're like nick should we do this or that and i was just like i don't know and then they did something and they got a character killed and they like flipped out on me and I was like, I don't know what you want from me. I'm just doing what I was told. And I was told not to give answers. It's awesome. I <laughs> feel like I was a part of some of those sessions. I think you were. Because
0: okay, I think that was mutual, our, our old mutual friend group. Yeah. And um, so, so I feel like you and I were like part of some of that. Yeah. Because I, I remember being there watching people play Until Dawn with you. Yeah. Yeah, I think you were there for at least some of those sessions. And me not giving an absolute fuck about this game until, like, the monster showed up, and I went, oh, wait, no, this is
1: fucking dope. Yeah, no, it's a pretty dope game. Because I I could
0: give less of a shit about it until, like, the monster showed up, and I was like, wait a minute, you got me with the old folklore.
1: Oh, you hit me right in the folklore.
0: So, uh, the game begins in 2014 with Josh, the handsomely named, and his twin sisters, Hannah and Beth, inviting some friends, Sam, Mike, Jessica, Emily, Matt, Ashley, and Chris to a place called the Washington Lodge, which is on the Backwood Mountain for their annual winter getaway. As the party continues, the group decides to play a prank on Hannah, who has a crush on Mike. While Chris and Josh are passed out, Mike invites Hannah to his room. Unbeknownst to her, Jess, Emily, Matt, and Ashley are hiding under the bed and in the closet. As Mike convinces her to start taking off her clothes, Jess accidentally reveals the presence of the group, and by doing so, humiliates Hannah just as Sam bursts into the room to warn her, finding out that it was too late.
1: Hannah runs out of the lodge and into the woods. Everyone follows, trying to apologize and tell her that it was just a prank, bro, but she continues out into the snow. As Beth finds her way in the middle of the woods, she finally locates Hannah, crying in the middle of a small clearing and comforts her. Suddenly they hear a violent noise and run from an unseen pursuer. as they are cornered at the edge of a cliff, Hannah slips and falls while holding Beth's hand, taking her down with her. Beth manages to hang on to a large branch at the end of a cliff holding on to Hannah with the other hand. An unknown man crouches by the edge of the cliff and extends his hand to help them, but Hannah and Beth Both fall to their apparent deaths, never to be seen again. And that's the end of the game. The end. Yep, we're
0: done talking. Join us next week for more. So, like we like to end every episode. Nick,
1: what have you been playing? Yeah, just a little bit of. (laughs) Okay. Come night. Come night. Come fort. Come fort. That's what it was. Come night. (laughs) (laughs) That does Hollow Knight. (laughs) It's the Hollow Knight version. (laughs) It's the
0: Hollow Knight version of semen. The seven remaining all return but quickly split off to go partake in their own festivities. However, things begin to get sex. weird. Yeah, sex, Nick. <laughs> Mike and Jessica want to get away from the party because sex and go to the guest cabin, which is a little ways away from the main one. However, on the way, Jessica is kidnapped by an unknown and monstrous creature. Mike chases after her. Depending on how it goes, he either finds her alive or dead, but regardless, the elevator she's lying on falls down the shaft. Mike then follows a mystery man, whom he believes killed Jess, to an abandoned sanatorium, in which he explores and discovers information about a mining accident in 1952, which resulted in miners being trapped following a cave-in. Experiments and studies were done on the survivors by doctors at the sanatorium, and a reporter ran into trouble
1: trying to find out more on the cover-up. Meanwhile, Ash. Chris and Josh decide it's a good idea to use a Ouija board in a spooky cabin in the middle of the woods, but they also try to use it to contact the twins, and it seems like it works with the board responding as one of the sisters. Josh thinks it's a bad prank being pulled on him by Ashley and Chris and storms off in anger. However, the Ouija board tells them to go look in a certain place, and Ashley and Chris think it's a good idea to check it out. When they finally get to the area, though, Ashley and Chris are knocked unconscious by a mask-wearing psychopath, and Ashley is kidnapped. Chris tracks her down and finds Ashley and Joss on the deadly end of a jigsaw-like trap and must choose between saving one of them.
0: At this point, the final two members of the group, Matt and Emily, have learned of a maniac on the loose. To get help, they head back towards the cable car that they came in on, and they discover that the keys for it are missing. From there, they spot a radio tower and make their way towards it. They are actually able to get in touch with some mountain rangers who inform them that the earliest they would be able to get there is dawn. Get it? Because they have to wait until dawn. Roll credits. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> An unknown creature tries and fails to enter the tower and then causes the tower to collapse by cutting one of its cables, sending it toppling into the mines. In the chaos that follows, Matt discovers Emily in peril on the destroyed fire tower and is forced between trying to save her life or jumping to safety to save his own.
1: The correct answer is save your own because Emily's a bitch.
0: Yeah, Emily is a raging...
1: That's what I remember about this game is Emily is a bitch.
0: Emily is a bitch. Regardless of his decisions, Emily falls with the collapsing tower deeper into the mines. Matt either escapes and also ventures deeper into the mines, or will be killed by the
1: creature. Meanwhile, Sam is stalked by the psychopath and chased throughout the lodge, and is either knocked unconscious or escapes into the killer's workshop. In continuous interludes, a psychiatrist, Dr. Hill, conducts an interview with an unseen figure, asking questions as the narrative progresses. I forgot about this until this sentence. But I really liked this. Uh, the part, like this. What thing, I liked so thing that keeps happening in the game.
0: Yeah. So so what I really liked about this game is it uses real actors. So like Hayden Panettiere did all the mocap for this particular character, and the character is modeled after Hayden Panettiere. Right. Uh, same thing with all of them. Have you ever seen The Big Lebowski? No. So the guy who plays the psychiatrist plays um one of the uh one of the characters in The Big Lebowski. Um, who is, oh, what the fuck were their names? They were the foreign guys who were trying to kill the dude. Um, and and he just, I I recognized him, but didn't recognize what I knew him from. Hold up, what the fuck? Dude, I quote this movie constantly. I can't, I don't know why I forgot this character. Sherman? He's in a a bunch of other stuff these days, too. Yeah, no,
1: I've seen, I've recognized him from other things. I just can't think of one off the top of my head.
0: Oh, he was a nihilist. He, he played one of the nihilists. Uh, but he was also in Fargo, which doesn't surprise you. He his, Probably his best role, in my opinion, um, was Satan in the movie Constantine. Okay. Uh, and I also absolutely love him. This is what I want to talk about. Uh, one of my favorite novels of all time is American Gods by Neil Gaiman, uh, which they turn into a Starz TV show. And uh, unlike shows like The Walking Dead... It is almost perfectly in tune with the book, but modernized a little bit, so I'm fucking down with it. Uh, The same actor plays Chernabog, the god of destruction. Oh, that's awesome. It's fucking great. He's just got like this big Russian accent. I am going to take this hammer, and I am going to put it right into your forehead once. I love (laughs) Chernabog almost as much as I love Mad Sweeney. But, uh, yeah, great fucking character, yeah, love no. this shit,
1: yeah, it's really dope, and like, like he like asks you like questions about like, actually, uh yeah, he like in each interlude he you sit in his office and like the office becomes more grotesque and dilapidated, and you have to like he makes you reflect on the choices you made um during each interview and like and stuff like that, it's really, it's really like makes you think about like oh like something you did in the game and you're like oh shit like stuff like that i don't know it was just really cool uh to like splice up the the gameplay and the narrative that was going on with all these characters oh yeah it
0: was great
1: and and he he's he doesn't have an american
0: accent he's swedish but so he talks kind of funny with the american accent he has in this game but like it makes it more unsettling but, uh, yeah, so I, it's really, it's an unsettling thing, but I love this sequence as
1: well. Depending on former choices of the player, Dr. Hill himself may change in appearance, become sickly and maimed. Uh, eventually, he is revealed to simply be an hallucination in the psychopath's mind. Or the, God th- of, or the God of Destruction. Right,
0: which I thought was also pretty dope. As more sinister
1: events unfold,
0: the psychopath reveals himself to be Josh. Makes sense who was playing a prank on the group the whole time in retaliation for the prank that indirectly caused Hannah and Beth's disappearance the previous year. Mike and Chris end up capturing him and leaving him tied up in a shed. In the abandoned mines, Emily is shown to have survived her fall. She may find Beth's head and learn that Hannah had actually survived the fall off the cliff and had buried Beth, only to dig her up weeks later and feed off her corpse as a result of extreme hunger. She encounters the stranger that Mike had followed, who helps her escape from the creature. In her escape, Emily can be killed or manages to get back to the lodge.
1: As the friends uncover clues about the past, a resident who had been stalking the group, subtitled as The Stranger and referred to by the characters as Flamethrower Guy, reveals himself to the group as not the psycho or the mystery man, uh, but a protector of the mountain. He explains that the mountain is infested by wendigos, former humans who are possessed by evil spirits after consuming human flesh, and that they will not be able to escape sa- to safety until dawn, which is when the Wendigo cease their hunt. Chris and the stranger decide to rescue Josh, but discover that he has vanished. The stranger is decapitated by the Wendigo soon after. Sam, Mike, Ashley, and the remaining survivors flee to the lodge basement for safety.
0: It's worded like that because those are the only three that like, it's possible gar- that those guaranteed. are the only, yeah, those are the only three that are guaranteed to be there at this point. Um, yeah, uh, the game is all about uh,
1: making your, your, your decision. Yeah, your decisions affect who lives and who dies.
0: Yeah, it's pretty fucking dope, actually. Um,
1: so the I, I and it's just, not like directly obvious. Your choices. It's not like. I don't. I don't. Know. Yeah. I can't think of an example, but it's like there's c- certain things where like you, I got. I got could, one. Like, well, when the tower falls and Emily's
0: on the tower, <laughs> you could either try to save yourself or go help Emily. But if you try to save yourself, you'll get decapitated by the one to go. Yeah, but like if you try to go help Emily, you'll both fall down there, but you'll both survive. It's like weird things like that. Right. Uh the the best way I describe Until Dawn is a very interactive horror uh, Horror movie. It is. Not as interactive as a telltale game, uh Rest, I guess. Yeah. I, they're not a good enough company for me to say rest in peace on. Um or uh but it's more it's more interactive than that, but less interactive than like let's say God of War. Yeah. So Mike returns to the sanatorium in search of Josh, hoping to find the key to the cable car, but encounters dozens of Wendigo's forcing him to destroy the sanatorium to escape. Meanwhile, Sam discovers more information about the Wendigos and follows him. They eventually find Josh in the mines suffering from extreme hallucinations. He willingly gives them the key. Mike helps Sam reach the surface, but Hannah, who is revealed to have turned into a Wendigo after being forced to eat Beth's body, spares Josh or kills him, depending on the player's choices.
1: Matt and Jess are still alive at this point, They have separate encounters with the Wendigos in the mines and attempt to evade them and reach rescue. Meanwhile, Sam, Mike, and whoever is alive between Ashley, Chris, and Emily flee from the Wendigos to the lodge only to encounter Hannah and multiple other Wendigos. The Wendigos begin to fight each other, resulting in gas being released from the furnace into the lodge. The group uses the gas leak to destroy the lodge, killing all of the Wendigos and any survivors still inside just as dawn breaks and rescue and rescue helicopters arrive. In a post credits scene,
0: the group conducts interviews at a police station where they explain their story. If Josh has survived, it is revealed that he is cannibalizing the stranger's body, leading him to transform into a wendigo. If at least one other protagonist survives, two police officers will explore the mines and discover a half-turned Josh who spots them and seemingly prepares to attack them. So, we did something uh, partly because Halloween's coming up and partly because uh, we found it interesting uh, where we decided we'd dive into the folklore of what a Wendigo is exactly um until dawn pulls from the folklore of what a wendigo is. um but it's not exact and uh, they um which is fine that there's nothing wrong with taking an adaptation, but Most people don't even know what a Wendigo is before what Until Dawn is, or let's be honest, maybe you didn't know what it was before Supernatural, because Supernatural's popular, and there was a Wendigo in that. But uh, me being me, and being obsessed with fucking folklore like this.
1: I was just, uh, I I told you how that show's always on at my work, and like the the lunchroom, so it was on the other day, and, and so I'm watching it, and I look up, and they just have Thor's hammer. I'm just like, oh, okay. We're just gonna pull out Mjolnir. Yeah.
0: I mean, you got to realize in the in the actual folklore for Viking stuff, anyone can wield it.
1: No. Yeah. I was just like, like I, he passes it down to his son. I just like, I looked up and I was like, yeah, that's Mjolnir. My my yeah. And they like threw it at somebody and they exploded and I was like, okay, hey, fuck it, just fuck it.
0: Um, but uh, yeah, Supernatural is another one. They pull a lot on folklore. I just wish the show was better. I. Uh, yeah.
1: I I'm still convinced that like. Like it upsets me that Constantine got canceled and Supernatural's on like their fifteenth season or fucking whatever.
0: There's no difference except uh, one is based on an already published materials.
1: Right. I just wish like, like I feel like Constantine was better. Yeah. I, I just like like I don't hate Supernatural, but like I watch it because again, it's at, it plays you... every time I eat lunch at work. I watch <sighs> it and I like I like it because like all the concepts are like dope and like and stuff like that, and all the stuff they're tackling, but, like, I just, like, see the shitty acting and shitty effects sometimes. I'm just like, this could be such a dope-ass show. Um, similar to Constantine, Supernatural deals a
0: lot with Americana folklore. Um, folklore that goes into the deep Americans, including Native Americans, to Southern folklore, to uh, all this stuff that... It's very American, but, like, American in its story In America at its core, they deal a lot with, I mean, even when you look at Constantine, it dealt with like the, the passenger ghost kind of tale that we always hear. And Wendigos come from that same folklore, that same Americana, even though it goes even deeper than that. Uh, So we we wanted to talk about the Wendigo and the story behind it, just so that it's completely understood what it is. um, Because I think the cultures need to be respected. uh, And it's also fucking fascinating. Like, this shit's interesting. So, uh, yeah, let's dive into that. I
1: literally wrote that. I just am me. <laughs> I'm, I'm so me sometimes. Yeah. The Wendigo, or Wendigo, is part of a traditional belief system uh, of a number of uh, Algonquin-speaking peoples, including the, Weed, the Ouijibi. I was hoping Ouijibi. you'd get this one. It's Ojibwe.
0: Ojibwe. Um, Salto. The Cree the Naskapi, and the Inu. Uh, That's fine. You won't have to say any of these words again. We can just leave this part (laughs) in.
1: However, descriptions of them uh, are uh, varied. What does not vary is three things. Their malevolence, their cannibalism, and the fact that they are supernatural. In some of these cultures, the Wendigo isn't the monster itself as much as the spirit that inhabits the monster. However, the spirit can only enter through a particularly monstrous act, such as cannibalism.
0: Um... Basil Johnson, an Ojibwe teacher and uh, scholar from Ontario, gives a description of a Wendigo, which I thought was fucking awesome. So I have the full description in here. The Wendigo was gaunt to the point of emaciation. Its desiccated skin pulled tightly over its bones, with its bones pushing out against its skin, its complexion the ash gray of death, and its eyes pushed back deep into their sockets. The Wendigo looked like a gaunt skeleton recently disinterred from the grave. What lips it had were tattered and bloody, unclean and suffering from suppersions of the flesh. The Wendigo gave off a strange and eerie odor of decay, decomposition of death, and corruption.
1: Fucking dope, right? Spooky. So this uh, fits the physical description of the Wendigos in Until Dawn pretty well. They are monsters that look like recently dead and emaciated corpses, although they also pull from pop culture versions of the Wendigo with the more beast like look that they, that they gave them. And Until Dawn, they have more hair and look slightly more lupine in, uh, with reflective eyes. The Ojibwe, Eastern Cree, West Main, Swampy Cree, and Nascopee, uh, and uh, Inu lore. Uh, Wendigos are often described as giants that are many times larger than human beings, a characteristic absent from myths in other Algonquin uh, cultures. Would you like to know why I copy and pasted this sentence? Sure. Because I wasn't
0: going to type out all these Native American names. Yeah. So I just went, okay, we're going to talk about how they're giants now.
1: Boom. (laughs) Whenever a Wendigo ate another person, it would grow in proportion to the meal it had just eaten, so it could never be full. Therefore, Wendigos are portrayed as simultaneously gluttonous and extremely thin due to starvation. The Wendigo is seen as the embodiment of gluttony, greed, and excess. Never satisfied after killing and consuming one person, they are constantly searching for new victims. Okay, this
0: I got even more fascinated with than just the folklore of what a Wendigo is. Because this is, like, legit. So now we're going to talk about Wendigo psychosis. In historical accounts of Wendigo psychosis, it has been reported that humans became possessed by the Wendigo spirit after being in a situation of needing food and having no other choice besides cannibalism. In 1661, the Jesuit relations reported... Now, this is old English, uh, so we're going to dive into it. What caused us greater concern was the intelligence that met us upon entering the lake, namely, that the men deputed by our conductor for the purpose of summoning the nations of the North Sea And assigned them a rendezvous where they were to wait our coming, had met their death the previous winter in a very strange manner. Those poor men, according to the report given us, were seized with the ailment unknown to us, but not very unusual among the people we were seeking. They are afflicted with neither lunacy, hypochondria, nor frenzy, but have a combination of all these species of disease, which affects their imaginations and causes them a more canine hunger. This makes them so ravenous for human flesh that they pounce upon women, children, and even upon men, like veritable werewolves, and devour them voraciously without being able to appease or glut their appetite, ever seeking fresh prey, and the more greedily, the more they eat. The ailment attacked our deputies, and as death is the sole remedy among those simple people for checking such acts of murder, they were slain in order to stay the course of their madness.
1: There are some famous cases of Wendigo psychosis. One of them stars a Plains Cree trapper named Swift Runner. In the winter of 1878, his family began to starve to the point that his oldest son died. The closest source of food was 25 miles away in the snow, so he ate the dead son. However, he didn't stop there. He butchered his wife and five other sons. This shows the psychosis more because it wasn't like cannibalism as a last resort, like the Donner Party but more because he wanted to. He even confessed to the murders and was executed for them.
0: Another well-known case involving Wendigo psychosis was that of Jack Fiddler, an OG Cree chief and medicine man known for his powers at defeating Wendigos. (laughs) I swear to God, there was a Wendigo hunter, like like werewolf hunters and vampire hunters in fiction. This guy existed. Yeah, I'm sure. This was a person. This isn't folklore. We have pictures of this guy. I love this shit, dude. He's <laughs> dope. In some cases, this entailed killing people with Wendigo psychosis. As a result, in 1907, Fiddler and his brother Joseph were arrested by the Canadian authorities for homicide. Jack committed suicide, but Joseph was tried and sentenced to life in prison. He ultimately was granted a pardon, but died three days later in jail before receiving the news of this pardon. Not only did this, they kill people with
1: Wendigo psychosis, they were pardoned for it. And that's some shit. Yeah. Fascination with the Wendigo psychosis among Western ethnographers, uh, psychologists, and anthropologists led to a hotly debated controversy in the 1980s over the history of the phenomenon. Some researchers argued that essentially Wendigo psychosis was a fabrication, the result of uh, naive anthropologists taking stories related to them at face value without observation. But I like to believe. So that's that. <laughs> yeah.
0: um, but yeah, that's some shit though. I'm real into this. um, mostly because I'm real into folklore in general. Um, but it's folklore is so much scarier than some stuff.
1: Yeah, really. I feel like it has, like, a like, an air of authenticity to it that just makes it creepier.
0: Yeah, it's like, when you look at, like, the folklore of fae, like, you know how when I say fae, you, like, think, oh, look at a fairy or
1: a leprechaun.
0: They are fucking terrifying. And they should be fucking terrifying. Like, they, they are not only terrifying, but, like, a legitimate presence in Europe. Like, to the point where there's things like this, where, like, there's accounts of them. And that's fucking terrifying. Yeah. Um, there's more to this world than we see, I don't know if the Wendigo is real, but there's accounts of the Wendigo psychosis, which is as real to me as a Wendigo. Right. So, uh, it's just fucking scary, but fascinating. Oh yeah, it definitely is. And the game itself is kind of the same way, it's a scary game, but it's a fascinating game to play through.
1: Yeah, I liked how they, like, touched upon this as, like, their, their horror theme instead of, like...
0: Look, it's a vampire. Or yeah. look, it's a slasher killer. Right. Like, they went, like, let's go hard into this shit. Right. Let's go deep into, like, Americana folklore. Like, I, I love that shit. Like, when a game decides that it wants to do something or or touch upon something that's different, that hasn't been touched upon often. Like, scary, scary things that haven't been touched upon. So, yeah, I that's really, like I said, that's what hooked me on Until Dawn. I thought it was just, like, a boring slasher game, and then the fucking Wendigo shows up. And I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> so, yeah. It's awesome. Um, definitely check it out. It's cheap as hell right now. Yeah, and it's not a long game. Yeah. Uh, it can be played through multiple times, especially if you uh, kill off your uh, group members. Yeah. But, um,
1: you try and save everybody. You try and kill everybody. Yeah. Definitely worth playing through. Yeah, I suggest it too.
0: As we like to end every episode, Nick, what have you been playing? Um, real quick, you, yeah. We so, recorded on Monday. Yeah, we recorded, and now it's Thursday, so it's probably the same thing as the last episode. But let's just dive into it anyway. Yeah,
1: we're gonna do this real quick, and then I I can fill some time with something else. But um, and I want to talk about D right? Um, so pretty much the only th- the only update in Hollow Knight is I beat. I got all the endings of the main campaign, so I just have to do. You couldn't fucking wait.
0: I'm fucking hungry.
1: Same, but like, I know. um, so. Yeah, I got the, the end all the endings of the the main campaign, so I just have to do the the boss for the Grim uh, the Grim Troop and the Godmaster Gauntlet. Awesome. Um I also wanted to give an update on the the mysterious Pokemon that we talked about. Oh yeah, we need to. So last episode we talked about how we went to a community how we did community day and then a mysterious Pokemon showed up for a half hour and turned into Ditto's. Um, the Pokemon company has since released that it is a brand new Pokemon and not only a brand new Pokemon, but a mythical fucking legend, um, called Melton. It's cute as heck. Um, and that's kind of, we know it's a steel type and that's all we kind of know about it. Um, it's going to appear in Let's Go Eevee and Let's Go Pikachu. There's screenshots of it. Um, and uh, people are like speculating that it has something to do with Ditto of my thought process was that Ditto was just an easy way to show us the Pokemon without giving it to us. Yeah,
0: exactly. That's how I think of
1: um, it. Um but I do understand that it looks kind of like Ditto with the like the body.
0: The body looks a little bit like it, but I still stand by what you said. I just think
1: it was a really easy way to <laughs> to tease it without giving it to us. Right. Um like I and like you can still find it uh like I found it the other day, like yesterday, and it turned into a Ditto again. Um the, there's, like, a video of, like, explaining this of, like, Professor Willow and Professor Oak talking to each other about this Pokemon.
0: Which I think is great, actually. I, it's really cool.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I, I think that was pretty dope. And, like, Professor Willow says that, like, he has to, like, do some research. So, like, it's a mythical Pokemon, and he said, do research. So we're probably going to have, like, a quest line for it that may or may not tie in with the new Switch game, which I think would be dope.
0: I think it'd be cool, but I, it, may, it may also tie in with being able to find it in the wild and it turning into a Ditto.
1: Right. So. So that's all we have right... Now, for that, um, I don't know if you've played anything new that you want to touch on.
0: Um, I've just played Dark Souls, really. I, I haven't even had the time to do that, really.
1: Yeah, it's like we said, uh, because of my illness, which I'm sure you could still hear, uh, we recorded uh, the these last week's episode and this episode pretty close to each other. I'm just
0: glad I have a voice, because when I got home last night, I had no voice. Oh, damn. But, like, it makes sense, because I was at work all day, which involves a lot of talking, and then I was doing D, which like i fucking talked that entire session
1: yeah <clears throat> yeah it was a pretty heavy session so before we get into that since our uh what we've been playing it was pretty short due to uh our recording schedule uh, we'll answer another question
0: oh we got questions <laughs> yeah, we you're got... lucky
1: i don't <laughs> check our social media um so the question is what kind of lore is more enjoyable for you to dive into uh lore based off of real real world history and mythology uh, examples, Assassin's Creed and God of War. Or lore created from the ground up. Examples, uh, Lord of the Rings or The Witcher.
0: This is the hardest question I've ever been asked.
1: I know. <laughs>
0: um. Okay. So, I've talked about my back. This is how serious I just got.
1: <laughs> he took off his glasses, just so everybody knows.
0: So, we've talked about my background in college, which was history. Um and translated for work purposes into museums. I adore folklore. It is my, my true passion in life. I love stories. That's why we're doing this podcast. But folklore are some of the oldest stories this world has. And things like Lord of the Rings and The Witcher pull from folklore. I'd say if you were going to say built from the ground up, look at games like Destiny, which creates its own lore. But, um, personally, I'd have to go with games that have a foothold in mythology and uh folklore, which is, it's like my true passion in life is this shit. I live for mythology. I can say probably most like, tales of ancient history and tales of ancient mythology off the top of my head at this point, because I've told them so many times. I love them. And I've read more books on them than I've probably read on literally anything else. So, I, I would definitely have to say that. Um, because even though games, some of the games we go through that have their own story and have their own deep lore are really fucking good, and they, they do a really good job with their deep lore, To me, they don't capture the same thing that something like uh, Viking mythology or Greek mythology would capture. So that's me, although it isn't an easy decision, obviously, because I do love modern lore, too. That's why we do a video game podcast, because I wanted to talk more about the modern lore. But yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say, because of my background, uh, it, it became my true passion. I've read fucking tons of books on it. so. Uh, how about you, Nick?
1: So, I feel like there's very few that are ground up. I feel like even if it seems like it's ground up, I feel like it still has roots some, from, like, stuff. Like, Like, I feel like Pokemon could be argued from ground up, but, like, from our past episodes, we've talked about how they're all inspired on real-world things, like the Pokemon themselves. But, like... I guess, like, the overarching thing is, like, from the ground up. I guess, I guess, sorry to cut you off. With, yeah, that's fine. Um,
0: I think with sci-fi, it's a lot harder to find those strings. Right. Um, like, with The Witcher, for example. Like, it is known that it's based on Polish folklore. Oh, yeah. Like, everything in it is based on Polish folklore. J.R.R. Tolkien pulled from his time in Europe. And pulled from a lot of those things. So that's why... Elves are the way they are. Dwarves are the way they are. So, uh, he definitely pulled from those more. I feel like sci-fi, even though things like, for example, I use Star Wars, like are very based on samurai codes and stuff. Like it's also very much its own medium. Just has a basis in it. So, is that what you're talking about? Kind of.
1: Yeah, kind of. Um, if I had to pick one, like I said, because I. So uh, see, like you are very like high fantasy. I feel like I'm the middle. I'm in the middle between high fantasy and sci-fi.
0: I'm definitely like hardcore high fantasy. No questions asked. I'm like I'm so high fantasy that like I want to get fantasy bite, like tattoos.
1: Like so, so like stuff like playing like the new God of War with all the Norse stuff. Like really like. Like, I was, that was pretty dope. Like, going into all, like, most of the nine realms. But and, to like, me, like, all that shit was, like, fucking dope. Watching,
0: uh, Jorman Gunder's head rise out of the water, I was just like, holy
1: shit, that's the world serpent. <laughs> yeah. Like, shit like that, like, is is dope. And, like, but, like, I don't, I guess, like, would Bloodborne, what would Bloodborne fall under more? I think that'd fall under its own entity.
0: Um, it it pulls from Gothic horror a lot, right? Uh, with uh, the whole concept of blood uh, and canehurst and stuff, as well as the Beast Scourge, and then it pulls from Lovecraftian horror a lot towards the end of the game. Um, it pulls from horror uh, or Gothic horror tropes of the early 1900s, but that doesn't mean that it isn't its own medium. That lore is fucking dense all on its own,
1: right? So yeah, I guess I can see more of the distinction. Between like being based off of and like directly like you're going to the nine realms type of thing. Yeah. So I think I would go with more of like stuff that does its own because I think it's 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 new and I like like learning like new things about like these worlds and stuff like that. Like Destiny was dope. I like diving into the lore of Destiny and yes, it helped it with sci-fi for yeah. me uh and stuff like that. So I think I would have to go stuff that's more on the ground up. Oh, but I always like the winks and nods to stuff that it it. It pulls from, because I think at the end of the day, it's really hard to not pull from stuff, because uh, you, you right. find inspiration in different things, but...
0: To me, to me... Okay, I'll look at my experience with Destiny. Uh Obviously, when I played Destiny, I fell in love with the Iron Banner, because I'm me. I love high fantasy, and, high fa- and Iron Banner is just high fantasy in a sci-fi game. Right. So, like, I love that shit. But to me... Out of all the moments in Destiny, outside of like obviously playing with the people, like we have our moments of like raids and stuff that we had a blast. But like I'm talking story beats. It was more, it was probably more exciting for me to see an artist's depiction of Mimir than like seeing the Iron Banner for the first time. Because Mimir is so fascinating in Norse mythology, because he's not. Aesir and he's not Vonir. he's like something else and like he's just there and like by your side the entire game quite literally like it's it's really fascinating like to me it was great to see this character come alive this person that I've talked about like his stories come alive and I just don't think a game that pulls that creates its own stuff and there's nothing wrong with creating your own stuff um, I just don't think something like that can can get to the same level as being able to see mythology come alive.
1: Right, right. Oh, I understand that.
0: Um, But, yeah, so so just in case you guys thought, Nick and I do differ on some things. <laughs> yeah. Um, Nick, uh, the best way I've always described it is I'm high fantasy. Nick's a lot more sci-fi than I am. Yeah. Like, to the point That's where... That's just how I grew up. Yeah, you grew up with sci-fi. I grew up with high fantasy. I grew up in a Lord of the Rings household. Like... Yeah. And but like my dad likes Star Wars and stuff too, so I do have a, a... I do like sci-fi. There's no nothing there. Like some of my favorite books are the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy books, which are that. But also some of my favorite books are Discworld books, which are high fucking fantasy with jokes in it. But um, yeah, I uh, yeah, that was an interesting question. Yeah, that's that's a fucking interesting one. Yeah, thanks for that. All right, yeah, ask questions, we'll answer them on air. On air, like we fucking are on air. On air. Um. And now are- speaking of high fantasy, let's dive into Dungeons and Dragons last night. So now we're in D and D corner. Um, last night was a fucking session, huh? Yeah, it was. So we, um, picked up where we left off in the cultists' basement. Um, I'm surprised none of you asked where the skeletons came from. I am fine with that though. Um yeah the, so I guess I don't know uh there was a way to there was a way to make it so that they didn't rise.
1: If you have to speak a
0: certain phrase before you step foot on the dirt, and they won't rise. Well, yeah,
1: I assumed it was a trap i th- I assumed it was a trap set by people so
0: uh, they met uh, lady Foctor's book club um which I think Nick had the best response. Is this the book club? <laughs> eh. uh, they uh, our paladin has had an existential crisis about it.
1: Well, yeah, we should probably explain that it was they were they were cults. They, it was, it, a was cult. a, it
0: was a cult uh, that had was trying everything they could to get the sun uh, to rise, including sacrifice. Um, which our paladin lost his fucking mind over and was ready to kill them. To which Lady Voctor convinced him not to, basically saying like, "What you think is good isn't the same as what's good here." Right. <laughs> Uh, which is exactly what a cult leader would say. So I I don't know. He could have fucking done it if he wanted. It wouldn't have changed the results. I, um, then they went to bed and the next day they woke up to the festival. Yeah. Um, they went to the festival uh, where someone was almost executed. And Lady Vokter stood up and was like, this is fucking bullshit. And uh, basically started a coup. Uh, as the coup was going on they fought a bunch of guards um but as the coup was going on um a mist fell upon Falaki and left a bunch of strad zombies so they uh our rogue escorted the uh Irina and the uh people who live in the church back to the church uh, as the rest of the party fought the zombies that weren't attacking them which they re- didn't realize until they were almost all dead um, and then realized it was a distraction. They ran to the church only to find Strahd von Zarevich waiting for them, holding an unconscious rogue in his hands. Uh, Strahd then proceeded to almost fully wipe out the party, uh, but really liked Nick. Yeah, he uh,
1: he put everybody unconscious. Yeah, well, not he, our paladin. No, well, I was about to say that he 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 charmed our paladin and. Told him to walk away, and then everybody else was unconscious, and then it was just me.
0: Yeah, so he, he then asked uh, Nick if he would like uh, to join him, to which Nick said no, and Strad said, That's all right, you got the one and left. Yeah. Uh, then Nick, uh, oh, I forgot to mention, uh, Valaki's fucking on fire. Oh, yeah. From the riots. And um, so Nick then uh, loaded everyone onto a carriage to get away from the burning church. Uh, everyone who was unconscious, at least, uh, took them to the inn, where then he got assistance from the family that lives at the inn, who happened to be were-ravens. Yeah. Uh, and the were-ravens went off in were-raven form to go put out the water, it, or to uh, go right. put out the fires. Yeah. And that's where we left off. Um, this was the first time the party saw Stradvon Zarovich. Yeah. And everybody got their ass beat. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah. Welcome to fucking this character. Yeah, yeah, he pushed shit in. I only fudged one thing. Yeah, he really. I fudged one thing that I wouldn't have fudged if Brod knew how to do math. Right. <laughs> like. So yeah, I I wanted to make it cinematic.
1: So. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he's gonna be a bitch to fight later.
0: Um. Yes and no. Uh, you're gonna gain levels and power. No, I know. And, but... p- and magical items before you fight Strahd, so
1: he won't be as bad as you think he will be. Still, I mean, I've I've like plans. So I love it. I'm, I've I've like constantly been play- like constantly like making plans for the final fight with him because I know it's coming and somebody's gotta be fucking ready. <laughs> I yeah, I support it. Um,
0: but yeah, so you you guys finally met Strahd. I've been waiting for two months for you guys to meet Strahd now. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 cool. It was a really good session. But I blew no, out. it really was. It was really good. But I
1: blew out my fucking voice. Yeah, it was a lot of talking. But especially for you, because you had to, like, f- voice everybody. It's always a
0: lot of talking at D&D for me.
1: It's, it's... Yeah, but I feel like yesterday more so because there was, like, a lot of shit going on. There was a lot
0: of shit going on, so I had to talk a lot. Uh, and like, I'm probably not going to have a voice much after this. Yeah, probably not. Because between yesterday and recording a podcast, which I don't know if you know this guys, vocal medium, I, uh, probably not gonna have a ton of a voice, but it is what it is. Uh, so I did, you have to sacrifice for the things you love. Yes. Uh, so check us out on social media. Oh, fuck. I almost forgot. I wanted to start that new thing where I recommend character ideas. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. From my list of weird character ideas. Uh, what am I gonna pull from this list today? Awoken Flesh Golem. It is Halloween after all, so I think that it's important to do this. Uh, the Monster Manual has stats for a Flesh Golem. Awoken in Dungeons & Dragons usually means that it is conscious. It isn't just a monster, it is aware of itself. Um, and for all intents and purposes, Awoken Flesh Golem is the same thing as Frankenstein's monster. And... You could play, like, an Awoken Flesh Golem fighter, Barbarian. Like, you could do weird shit with it where, like, you're Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. And I feel like it'd be really fucking cool. Uh, just running around. And, like, th- there's things like, imagine having your arm chopped off and going, I need to, like, stitch on a new one. Right. But, like, not the old arm because it, like, got burnt with shit. Like, I need to go find a new arm off yeah. a corpse. Right. And, and stitch it on. I just feel like an Awakened Flesh Golem would be really fucking dope. Just running around uh, like this monster. And then you could obviously play it up like the Frankenstein's monster. Like I was made by a madman and a vi- thing and the village burned down. And you could just basically have the same backstory. But like just as reference, I- it'd be a- really fun. Especially if you're doing like a Halloween themed campaign. Like one of the things I want to do towards the end of this month is a Halloween one-off. Um, depending on where we are in our campaign, I'll do it. Uh, it's the same thing with my plans for Christmas. Like uh, a one if like we're on like a downtime or like a lull on our campaign, it's just like okay, let's just do a one off. Yeah, go fight um, Santa. Yeah, or or yeah, had, <laughs> for Christmas, same thing. Um, I got plans for Christmas. I'm f- so in on my Christmas plan. Like, obviously, because I have more time to plan it. Like my plans for Christmas are a bit intense. I'm
1: really excited. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna fight what's his face? Fucking face? Who? Uh why can't I think of it? Krampus. Yeah.
0: Maybe. Yes! That's one of the thoughts I have. I have his stats, but, like, I also have the stats for Santa Claus. So... We can fight Krampus with Santa Claus. That's kind of what I was leaning towards, but, like, I haven't fleshed it completely out yet. Like, imagine if Krampus, like, teamed up with a Mind Flayer to, like, enslave Santa's elves. Oh my god. <laughs> like, just imagine this! Uh, it could be so cool! But, uh, yeah, I, I have stats for both both uh, characters as uh, enemies. And then, like, the, the mind flayer like, is able to take over Santa Claus's mind, and you have to fight Santa Claus. I'm down.
1: You gotta save Christmas, guys. We gotta save Christmas for the kids.
0: <laughs> so, I it's really, yeah, it's just things like that. I have, um, a massive snowman beast. I, like, I have stats for that. Like, it, it's really cool. Like, I've found some really great homebrews. Um, uh but as we like to end every episode or no fuck, I said that part already. God damn it. Check us out on social media. We are on both Instagram and Twitter at Navi underscore tales. Again at Navi underscore tales. Send us pictures of your Wendigo cosplays go I for Sure someone
1: did it. Um <laughs> uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Later. Beth suddenly appears after her all <clears throat> as they're cornered at the edge of a cliff. cliff. She locates uh, she finally locates Hannah crying in the middle of a small clearing and confronts her. Comforts. Comforts
0: Comforts. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Fortnite <coughs> but
1: sexual. Yes.
0: Shut up! This is my basement! I live here. This ain't
1: your home. You can't just chirp whenever
0: you wanna. Shut up! Fucking bugs trying to get laid, man.
1: And you're like, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> As Beth finds her way in the middle of the woods, she lo- she locates someone coming down the stairs. <laughs> Hi, how are you? Hi, how are you? <laughs> I mean, there's no point in whispering
0: now. <laughs> <laughs> she just comes in and whispers. <laughs> On the one-year anniversary of the disappearance of Beth and Hannah, Josh invites the remaining friends back to the lodge. The seven remaining all return but quickly spit... A- <laughs> quickly spit in each other's mouths. Oh, <laughs> that <laughs> so far. Um, in which he explores and discovers information about a mining accident in 1952 which results in. Fuck. However, the Rigi, the Ouija board. The Luigi board. The Luigi board. That you can get from a witch or a vegan. If you don't know what that YouTube video is, just YouTube, search Ouija board on YouTube, and I'm sure you'll find it. It's a fucking gift. <laughs> that and pregnant. Are you pregante? Teresa's caught my wife. Does she not listen? No. Your Reese's caught my way. If I had to say it again, I was going to hit you. Oh, it crushed my balls. Okay, let's dive back into this. Where the fuck were we? I know. Mike returns to the sanatorium in search of Josh. Where the fuck was I? There? Right there. I was just laughing at you.
1: That my, noise. My, my, my <coughs> body? Yeah. He's body shaming me. Yeah. Uh, they are monsters that look like recently dead and emancipated uh, corpses. I don't know why I said emancipated. It's, it's emaciated. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was, as soon as I said it, I, I was, was like, "Why?" Say, I can't
0: let Nick say emancipated with this one. <laughs> uh, they're free.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're free. No more. <laughs> L- 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 Abraham Lincoln freed
0: the, the Wendigos. <laughs> What causes us greater concern was the intelligence that met us upon entering the lake. Namely, that the men uh, deputed. Deputed. I fucking hate old English. This is actually, like, considered modern English still. But it's just fucking outdated. I hate outdated English. It's such a bitch.
1: Like Emily. Like Emily. (laughs) Or Casey for crawling on the couch. (laughs)